0: Watching that whole kind of process, I don't know that there was one big event that that really happened, but it did open my eyes to the fact that there are other people out there that someone else is in control of your career. I I just remember that and it stuck with me. I wanna do this, I wanna be a business owner or an entrepreneur just because I don't want to. I wanna be at someone else's mercy. Welcome to East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast. Inspiring stories from local people and businesses you likely already know and trust. Here is your host, third-generation family business entrepreneur, Renee Oswald.
1: Hello, and thank you for joining us for another episode of East Idaho Entrepreneurs Podcast. On this show, I interview business owners, entrepreneurs, and influencers, and learn their origin stories. You guys, these stories are always so inspirational, and I love getting to know our neighbors better. So we're glad to have you here with us today. On the show today, I have a businessman who helps other business owners sell their businesses. He and his wife also own a downtown Idaho Falls staple. Welcome, Chip Langerak of Arthur Barry & Company and co-owner of the Villa Coffee House. Thank you. We're glad to have you here, Chip.
0: Thanks, glad
1: to be here. I do not know and I'm not sure what if the listeners know what Arthur Barry and Company is and what is your role there? Talk to us a little bit about what that is.
0: Yeah so we I go by many different titles one is business broker uh, you also hear us called business intermediary um, it's a fancy name for agent who sells businesses. Uh, Arthur Barry and Company's in its 37th year um, We've completed over a thousand business transactions in those 37 years. Wow. Uh, Art, there's literally an Arthur Barry. Art started the company uh, in Boise and grew it to East Idaho about 20 years ago now. Uh, And I've been in this position uh, for four years, this month actually. Uh, Took over from my predecessor, Bill Spofford, four years ago and... uh, Uh, my specialty is in selling companies. We do some commercial real estate as well. I don't play in that pool as much. Uh, I I carry the license so that when your business includes real estate, uh, you can do it all. Obviously, yeah, I I do it all then, but uh, I'm much more interested in the inner workings of businesses themselves uh, and and helping people transition into retirement uh, than I am in filling an empty shell uh, with a with a new tenant yeah so
1: well it's an interesting thing because as kevin and i age Mm -hmm. (laughs) although we have had we're third generation business owners we we expect that that will be fourth generation Uh but we still plan on selling it to our children so we how does that work even when you're selling to your kids is that something that you also help with
0: yeah i i I could give some advice Uh there Uh, But it's not my specialty. Yeah, finding an outside buyer, uh, a new uh, owner, uh, is really what what I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, building the package, marketing the business, uh, fielding the questions, pitching it to people, uh, you know, multiple times a day. Yeah, uh, that kind of thing is is my specialty. Uh, Ideally, you know, it's it's the ideal situation to have a multi generational business. Uh, because your exit plan is already built in
1: well we hope so yeah yeah Uh,
0: what where where the challenge comes is when that doesn't happen and the kids aren't interested in the business then what do you do yeah and that's where our company comes in uh and and is helpful yeah uh, in, in helping find you that that buyer that that isn't in the family already.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I imagine (laughs) that that's kind of a challenge. I, you know, I haven't really, we haven't really put a lot of thought around this, Uh but to find the right person that would want to buy our business would be somewhat of a challenge. So Uh how do you go about doing that? What do all of us think that our businesses are worth probably much more than maybe what we're going to get for them. But I think in my own experience in, in looking at succession planning and what we were gonna do with our business, it was surprising to me about how much we didn't have done Mm -hmm. to be prepared to sell it because we had this number on it and when somebody looked at it, they were like, oh gosh, based on what you say on paper, you're not gonna get that for it. Is that what you find?
0: I, I do, and those are very difficult conversations to have because oftentimes the owner is to the point where they've hung on as long as they could uh, maybe the business is paid off, so there's extra cash flow. Uh, sometimes that extra cash flow is not actually adding value to the business, though, uh, because of how businesses are valued. Uh, so the owners are comfortable. Uh, and then sometimes they get bad news
1: Yeah. at,
0: at the time when they're ready to go. Uh, and that bad news could mean uh, the business is not likely to sell for what they think it will sell. It could mean that the process is going to take longer than they thought it was going to take. Uh, it can mean a lot of things, but uh, I, I do find that I have that conversation quite a bit, and, and it,
1: it's not always the great conversation. Yeah, it's always a, <laughs> it,
0: it's it's always a difficult conversation to have. Yeah, yeah. I have a, a saying, and I probably picked it up somewhere, and it's uh, it's not the most polite saying in the world, but it's that uh, an owner's retirement needs is not an approved valuation method. <laughs> you know, uh, but
1: we think it should be
0: right. Well, and, and then and then we start we start kind of building this ownership and that number, yeah. uh, without any basis for where that number comes from. Yeah. And the the kind of people that typically buy businesses, uh, it's it it runs a wide range. But even the people who are inexperienced put a pencil to it and figure out that they can't make any money if they by the time they cover their bank loan and pay the price you want for it, there's nothing left for them. And so even a buyer who maybe has the skill set to run your business but is a first-time buyer quickly figures out that...
1: It's not as attractive yeah, as it could have they're been. They're not mm-hmm. going to make it. Well, we like to cash that stuff. We don't know what to call it under blue sky.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. a thing, right?
0: That is a thing, actually. <laughs> uh, blue sky refer, Technically, blue sky refers to the value of the the earnings stream. In the business, yeah, that's what what the business is worth above and beyond the value of the assets, the
1: potential that it yeah. could bring in, yeah.
0: Well, and the 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 potential it'll bring based on what it's done historically, uh-huh. uh, because if a business has a consistent stream of revenues in the past, uh, things change, of course, in two thousand twenty. But the, the thing the line of thinking is that uh, that stream would continue going forward because the business is doing the things to create that revenue stream.
1: Yeah, you know, you bring up a really good point. What do you think the coronavirus pandemic is going to do to to the valuation of some of these businesses Mm -hmm. who may be looking to sell rather soon, and they've had a dip because Mm -hmm. of the pandemic?
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think it's all going to depend on what the recovery looks like. Uh, I, I think buyers buyers typically look at between three and five years of financial information. Okay, and when you can explain two months and explain it in detail and say, this is how COVID affected us. Here's where business got back to normal and moving forward, things are normal. Uh, and you can tell that story. Uh, it's not gonna have a huge impact on business valuation. But if the coronavirus leads to uh, you know, 2020 sales or the first decline in the last three years, uh, and then 2021 sales come in, and it doesn't quite come back to where it was before, and you start seeing this sort of crest, and it's it's going to affect valuations.
1: Yeah, it's a sign that your uh, business changed yeah. because of the pandemic. come huh? yep. Yeah.
0: Or it's yeah, and there's a uh, it's it's also a sign that maybe we hope that we all make the right decisions and how to respond to the pandemic, but we won't. Yeah. Not all of us are going to get it right. Yeah. So we. May be an indicator that we just didn't get it right.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh,
0: and that's that's going to hurt hurt valuations that way. Yeah, I'm also afraid that there are some some businesses that uh, that were being propped up by a by a vibrant economy, and COVID is going to to put them in a uh, in a situation where that business is stressed and maybe uh, o- over the course of time. That that straw sort of slowly breaks the camel's back. Well, I hope that doesn't happen to anybody.
1: It feels like it's almost inevitable. Whenever yeah. we see a recession or something like that, that yeah. that that just unfortunately is the fallout for some businesses. And so, it will be interesting to see how yeah. we all kind of come out of this. Because at as of this recording, we are responsibly social distancing yes. six feet apart. <laughs> we are sitting in the Villa Coffee House yeah. and. The coffee house has been closed to in, you know, to dining. Yeah. Hopefully you're going to be able, depending on where we are with the governor's um, recommendations, we're mm-hmm. going to be able to open you up on Saturday uh-huh. um, for dine-in. But um, that's definitely probably been a bump for the restaurant.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I think of our situation when I'm when I'm thinking in a concerned way about, about some of the others, uh, because I think... Uh, we're pretty fortunate in that uh, I have a day job, obviously the the job we've been talking about so far. Yeah. Um, and we also run the villa, and the the reality of that is, uh, we, my wife and I we both kind of do both things. It's just it's just part of our life. There's there's this is a tangent. You'll have to get me back off this tangent. But <laughs> the the idea of work life balance, it, it it's just one yeah. for us. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I was helping it's my work. daughter do her reading homework here <laughs> earlier. In between emails and phone calls, that that's that's how we do life. Yeah. Uh, and, and and we're we're fortunate in that that I have another way to put food on the table. Yeah. Right. Uh, it doesn't have to be the villa, and so we we'll we'll survive. It may put us behind years in in our own personal planning, but we'll survive, and I, I consider myself fortunate for that. But uh, I I just hope everybody else. does the same can can survive as well but i'm fearful
1: well one of the things that you said there i think that does resonate and what we're hearing is diversification those who have diversified a little bit and don't just completely have one thing seem to have a a larger trampoline to bounce off of i guess you'd say but you know we're just we're just going to all work through this the very best that we can so put
0: our our foot on the gas and go as hard as we can yeah until uh, we break through there Yeah.
1: yeah Okay, so back to Arthur Berry. Yeah. What what should business owners do to prepare to sell? What yeah. do you recommend? If I was looking to do that within, what what's the time frame? Is it five years, or what yeah. would you recommend?
0: I would suggest that uh, at somewhere around the three year point before you think you want to retire, uh, you start getting some advice about what that transition looks like. Uh, and in your example, where your business may continue to do a fourth generation, that advice may be with an attorney who you say how do we draft this where it's all in the family but uh the entity's protected the people are all protected every everything all our eyes are dotted and our t's are crossed right uh, and that conversation also should start with your cpa about what your tax liability is going to be when you sell that business yeah uh, many times we as business owners uh, th- only think about today and we think man i don't want to pay any taxes at the end of the year I'm gonna go buy that new truck or that new refrigerator or that new espresso machine so I can write it all off right now. And we don't think about, from a valuation standpoint, what that does to our earnings stream on which we base the value. But we also don't think about, I may be writing that off now, but am I just prolonging that? If I'm selling my company in three years, if I'm gonna pay it now or pay it later, Mr. Mr. or Mrs. CPA, who? Yeah. What do we do? When should I do that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, am I better to pay my taxes now, and, and and have your CPA look at that on a longer time horizon? Because we tend to just think, uh, how can I bury all the year's profits uh, to make sure I don't pay taxes on it?
1: Well, and when you have time, then that's a different conversation. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And if if you uh, if your situation is different and you know you're going to need to look for an outside uh, outside buyer. Uh, Similar suggestions around around your financial accounting. Uh, if you tend to, you know, if you have all the kids on the payroll and you're paying all the kids' cell phone bills and you're paying all of those uh, expenses uh, that that you might be making out of the out of the business's account, uh, you can stop making those. Because uh, what what we're doing is is taking a short term write off and sacrificing long-term value.
1: I see. Mm-hmm. And when
0: you value a business, you value it uh, using a multiple of those earnings. Uh, and that so multiple varies by like the industry. So you need to look like earning. Yeah. <laughs> so I might write off a $100 expense now to save, I'm just going to make numbers up, but to save $20 on my taxes. But if I had kept that $100 in profit and I get 3X that when I sell, I saved myself 20 but could have earned 300 yeah, if it, yeah. I hope my math is all accurate there, but the concept okay. is that I think, If, if the math, was Live wrong,
1: math is not my fat, is yeah. not I, you just go for it. I, throw whatever the and, and I'm good. But <laughs> otherwise, who knows?
0: Um, so, so there's some there's some thinking there that we need to get our heads around and say uh, your business today, while while it appears to be thriving, maybe worth three hundred thousand dollars three years from now if we we clean some of those things up it may be worth five or six hundred and that's not an exaggeration Mm -hmm. Uh, and the other thing we have to the other reason we want to approach that is uh the the financials of a business when you're evaluating a business are, are really that business's curb appeal so we we know that concept from the housing market yeah that you want the buyer to pull up to the front of the house and fall in love because there are flowers planted and the grass is beautiful and it's all painted up that that curb appeal comes via the financial package that the potential buyer is providing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and when they see that, if your profit and loss statement is a page long and you run a million dollar a year company in sales, uh, that's probably enough friction for them to uh, immediately just move on. Yeah, right. Uh, Especially if a lot of buyers aren't particular about the exact area they live You know they may be about half about half of the buyers i have are moving in from out of state wow Uh, and they are wanting to relocate here because of the lifestyle of course why Mm -hmm. we all love it here yeah and they're looking to buy themselves a job sure and sometimes they've sold their home and they have money to invest in everything from a restaurant to a hotel Uh, but that's that's their story and so instead of buying my restaurant in idaho falls they may go buy a restaurant in Driggs that has better financials.
1: Yeah, right, sense. right, yeah. Because, like you said, they're buying themselves into a job, and yeah. they don't have that emotional attachment to the location necessarily. And so, True we gotta smart. look, we gotta look good. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, what do you see? One of the biggest mistakes that business owners make. Maybe you've already yeah. said that.
0: I, I see uh, not enough detail in financial reporting, and I can give you a good example. Uh, if you if you own a restaurant. Uh, the first two items on your income statement are going to be sales, and then cost of goods sold. That cost of goods sold should have six to maybe ten or more Seven. different lines mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you own, I'm trying not to use my own businesses all the examples, but if you own a coffee shop, you, you have should have a separate cost line for milk and coffee, and you know these tarani syrups we're looking at. They should all be in a separate line. Yeah, because when you're looking at the big picture, and, and you should be doing this for your own sake anyway, because yeah, if you're trying to your figure out where your profits from. are going, yeah. and, and you realize that revenue is great, but I'm losing, I'm not making any more money, where's it going? If you don't have those individual lines, you, you can't figure out where it's going. Right. So, you know, milk prices may have doubled and, and you weren't really paying attention or you didn't think it would have an effect on the business. And you look down at the financials and you could go, holy cow, yeah, that's definitely where all my money's going.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great accounting um, uh, tip because yeah. the more you can, you don't know how to adjust when mm-hmm. you don't know that level of detail. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, and I don't know if it was ever like this, but I think about... When grandpa started our business in 1939, it wasn't as complicated, right? It was, here's some gas and here we're changing your oil and that's it. But yeah, the line items that we have now of the different services that we provide Mm -hmm. just out of our shop and to find out exactly what they're costing us to provide. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, that's a, that's a great tip. You got to know all that. You can be the
0: best mechanic in the world skill wise, (laughs) but if you don't have that back-end where, where you're managing the finances correctly, uh, you may- You can lose you, it. Yeah, you may feel like, you may really, people are in this position where they're busy all the time and can't pay the lease yeah, of the right, building. Yeah, right, And there, there's a disconnect that they can't connect yeah. because that information's not
1: there. Yeah, so, so true, so the true. The other
0: thing I would suggest to people who, is is something I kind of said earlier, Get the kids off the payroll unless they're employees in the business. Right. If they're, if they're legit employees in the business, great. Right. But if you're if you've got the kids on the payroll and the kids' cell phone is getting paid for, and uh, the the trip to Vegas got written off because you you spent all the
1: officers di- were there. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> or even even you spent a day at a convention there uh, that was tangentially related maybe to your industry. Uh, clean those clean those things off the income statement.
1: Yeah. Okay. Good advice. Yeah. So Chip, tell us a little bit about what your history is. What prepared <laughs> you to be a business brokerage authority?
0: So business brokers all have a funny story. Uh, it seems to be there There are two ways people get into this business. They either buy a business or they sell a business. Uh, a lot of people sell their company and maybe sell it in a period where they're not quite young enough uh, to uh or excuse me, they're not quite old enough to just stop working. Uh, they need to find something to bridge that gap for 10 or 15 years even until uh, until full retirement. Uh, and and we recruit them to come to work for us. Okay, <laughs> they, got they it. They make the best business brokers uh-huh. uh, because they have- They have been, experience. Yeah, they've been in the trenches. Mm-hmm. They they speak from experience on all the things that I just mentioned there. And they've been through the process of selling their company and running a company. Yeah. Uh, my story is the opposite. I I came into this as a buyer and I'll I'll try to be quick through this so this isn't a two-hour podcast. But (laughs) uh, once I realized in college that business was going to be my thing, uh, it also sort of led to me realizing I wanted to be self-employed. And and I think a lot of that had to do with uh, um, just observation. Uh, Jobs that I had through college, watching my parents work for Uh, big companies, small companies, et cetera. Uh, And I just kind of, I realized that I I want the ultimate accountability to rest with me. So if I'm not making enough money, I I have to figure out how to go make more money, right? Right. You you have control. Yeah, I wanted control. I didn't want to be at the mercy of someone where I put 20 years of my life into a company just to get laid off. Train
1: time Uh, for a dollar. And
0: interestingly, had I not left one of my jobs, that's exactly what would have happened. But, so I was always kind of efforting toward that. Uh, my wife and I, early on in our marriage, were buying and fixing up and selling houses before flipping was even a word. Really? Yeah, I'm aging myself, probably. Uh, <laughs> and, and so we did that and we, we really liked that. So I got a general contractor's license and I thought that'd be my first business. And it was, it was my first business. Uh, at that point I was in banking and I'd kind of capped out at the, the credit union I was working for. So we took the plunge, we didn't have kids yet. She had a great job, uh, and, and I took the plunge. I became a general contractor. And that was in 2007.
1: Oh man, <laughs> the timing wasn't
0: so good. Built a few homes, uh, Was learned a lot about myself in that time. Uh, my, my first business venture as a home builder was not a success, it was a failure. I mean, I ultimately closed. Uh, but the, the, what I learned about myself and how I function and, and even, even accountability uh, was invaluable, yeah. absolutely invaluable. Yeah. So fast forward, we went down with the housing crisis, uh, but we set ourselves up so that we said, I, I'm, I had a, a boss early on at a landscape company that, that, that kind of instilled this in me, that uh, when, when I set my business up, I gave myself a definite timeline. I knew how much money I had I said, if I'm not established within this time, and it was about two years, I said, if I'm not established and, and able to really support us in that time, I'm out before I've ruined my credit and, and have a bankruptcy or something even worse, yeah, which right. a lot of home builders did. Right. Uh, so anyway, that date came on the calendar and I honored that and I went and got a job. And I got a job at a big corporate retailer, uh, very large, large uh, retailer. Uh, bounced around in management there and really kind of thought I was uh, I was done I'd that taken my shot it... I'd had yeah I wasn't really sure that was I sort of surrendered to the fact that that would be where I'd where I'd end up and I was okay with that and I look back on that and think uh, I argued with myself a lot but I told myself I I took my shot I had my chance yeah I, I we're starting a family at this point. It's the reasonable, uh, responsible thing to yeah, do. Kind of, yeah. You yeah. know, and, and and I didn't want to be selfish and constantly going to my wife saying, "Have I got an idea for you?" <laughs> like, and have her roll her eyes and go, "This now again, dude? You're 55. <laughs> we need to be done with this." No, I didn't want. I didn't want that. So, uh, we sort of shifted the focus to her. Uh, the opportunity came up to purchase this place, the villa.
1: Yeah. At
0: that point, we'd started our family, and her good job turned into a not so good job. Uh, so we bought this place and, and that's what she does. So that got her out of her job and into something where she's uh,
1: when did running you buy her own the, business. Now. When did you buy the villa?
0: Oh, it was eight years ago. So it must've been 2012, is my math right?
1: Okay, so you've had a February of years. 12, yeah. we
0: have, yeah. We just passed the point, the villa opened in 05. So we just passed the point where we've now owned it for more than half its life.
1: That's great. Uh, yeah, which
0: it feels like I've owned it forever. So it, that's kind of strange. But yeah. the original owners, by the way, Uh, try to come back every year. They love to go to Yellowstone uh, and they're from Kansas. They try to come back every year and visit. It's a lot of fun. to. I bet it's fun for them
1: to see the same owner instead of having it turn hands. So that's great.
0: It turned a couple of times, but it's, I think it's nice. Now it's you. Yeah. Yeah. They're always very complimentary and happy that we've kept the thing going. So Uh, So you got the villa. So, so we got the villa uh, and, and I just continue to kind of grind along and, and uh, earlier in my story, so 20 years ago, I had discovered Arthur Berry as a website uh, looking for companies to buy. I didn't have two nickels to rub together. I had no business even calling my predecessor, but that's how we got to know each other. Oh, that's good. So I was, I had a point with, uh, with my retail job where I, was, I thought, okay, if I could buy something existing, I, I now know kind of my strengths and my weaknesses. Uh, I could buy another company if I could replace my salary. Let's, let's see if we can make that happen. And so I was looking through things and bothering him and we sat down and I'd actually written an offer on a place that we just couldn't come to terms on. And I told, sort of told him this story that, you know, I'm just I'm trying to buy my way out of 60-hour weeks and 50-hour weeks and overnight work and it was having an effect on my health and my family. Uh, and and, he, and he, he leaned back and he said, well, you know, this deal's not going to work. You don't want to work there anymore. Why don't you think about taking this over for me? Because I want to retire and I can help you transition.
1: And you guys were buddies cuz you'd bugged him now for yeah. a long
0: enough. <laughs> yeah. We we'd, uh, we'd bought a company from him. Oh good. Uh, yeah. Earlier on in, in life I'd looked at a couple, then, you know, 7 or 8 years later bought one and now 5 or 6 years later we're, we're looking went. at another one. Yeah. so We'd stayed in touch. Yeah. Uh, he was ready to retire, and he had a few listings that he and I worked out a deal to, for me to just kind of take them on. And uh, I spent about six months transitioning into uh, uh, into the profession, uh, getting my licensing and transitioning out of my retail store. There's a great story there, by the way, that we don't have time for, but it's kind of funny.
1: Thanks. Right catch Chip later and he'll tell you. Yeah.
0: That. What that transition was like. It, yeah. was, it was interesting. to see.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, so that's how you, I ended
0: up being a business broker.
1: You certainly didn't see yourself where you're at.
0: No, I, I didn't. But part of the reason is I, I guess I didn't, I didn't really, I saw myself sort of doing what the activities I do, but not that this was the profession. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Business brokers. I think there's probably a lot of people out there that don't know what a business broker does or right. that we exist. Right. Because the nature of what we do is, when we list a company, we, we list it generically, we list it confidentiality or confidentially. So if I were to sell this place, uh, the villa, it would probably say uh, East Idaho restaurant, and it might say coffee shop, but even that might give it away.
1: Oh, you know, got it's it. super
0: vague. Got it. And, so, and you'd never see a sign in the window. You've right. probably never seen one of my Arthur Berry signs anywhere. No. That's by design. Uh, because we don't want to disrupt the business in any
1: way. Yeah, right. Because if so, there's a for sale sign, then all of the customers are yeah. like, what the heck? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yep. At best, they just pester you at the counter. At worst, they, they drive by and go, oh, they closed. Yeah. I guess we'll move on. Yeah. And they don't even try to come in. So yeah. So there's a definite. Doesn't uh, work that way. Flying under the radar, sort of. But we've done, uh, the, the thing I benefit from now is, is the guys in our office that have been doing it for 20 and 25 years and know how to keep keep that confidential confidentiality but connect the business to the people that are looking Uh and if you're looking for something to buy either directly or through another website you'll find something we've got listed
1: so just like if i have a real estate agent then there's a percentage that goes to the broker Mm -hmm. got it there is
0: yep got it uh and the percentage is different uh, than than just a traditional real estate transaction and because there's real estate involved it's kind of a hybrid and but yeah, yeah. Uh, that that's how we work. We're hundred percent commission based.
1: Yeah. On. Well, talk to me a little bit about. Thank you for explaining that. Because <laughs> You're it, it is an interesting like. I how, hope
0: we didn't have three hundred people just drop, drop off <laughs> during my description <laughs> of my background. I'm sorry. I warned you. But, okay, it's anyway.
1: fascinating. We need to know this because I know. I mean, if anybody's listening to this who has a business, there will be a day where it needs to be sold, yeah. and so. What are the options? And I don't even think that many of us think about that, yeah. right? We're just happy making it day to day. So thank you. You're
0: welcome.
1: All right. So talk, to, let's talk a little bit more about the villa. What, what was it that drew you to a restaurant coffee house? Obviously that sounds like that was maybe your wife that wanted to do this.
0: I, I think she's listening to this and smirking in the car right now. Probably. <laughs> I, I don't I think there was more than just a little nudge from me. Uh, but she she loves to bake. Uh, and she is extremely detail-oriented. Uh, she's a, a, a perfect, what I call an operator. Uh, her books look beautiful. She never needed a, uh, somebody to tell her to get her financial house in order. It just it she is. she is so detailed. It fits right. Well, okay, I will tell this story. So uh, about a week before we got married, uh, she just held out her hand and made me surrender the checkbook. She's like... I'm taking this now. This is way it's going to be. All the bills will get paid uh, because you are terrible at this. Which, uh, given my profession, it sounds strange, but uh, that's, that's the kind of detail oriented person she is. Yeah. Which makes her perfectly suited to a business with lots of moving pieces. Yeah. So, this is kind of the perfect. So it is perfect, good sort of that thing. she's
1: running the day to day and you're not.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, my job is to sit at the bar and smile at people and make the occasional snarky remark. Yeah, that's, that's, that's that well. my skill set uh, for for villa related things. But yeah, she's just she's just the perfect the perfect operator for from efficiency standpoint and, uh, and from all of that. So what drew us specifically to the villa was uh, just a love for for this place. I mean, it was it was listed for sale. In this case, it was actually listed by name, uh, which is a decision we make sometimes. Uh, but it was actually listed by name. Uh, it was in our range of affordability. Uh, and, and ultimately, we, we ask ourselves the same question that everybody has to in, in this position. Is, is this something I could look at myself doing for the next couple of decades? Right. Uh, and for us, it was. Uh, it helped that we were able to purchase the building as well, uh, because then it looked like Uh, a hybrid business and real estate investment. Yeah. Uh, So it was a good investment from that standpoint. Uh, And eight years ago, we bought it a good time from that standpoint. So uh, all of those things made it attractive to us.
1: Does this building have upstairs? Do you have... It doesn't.
0: There is a... You see the window behind me here. Uh, There's a small office upstairs that I go to when I need to focus. Yeah. Because I tend to be a little scattered if nobody else noticed. (laughs) when I really need to hunker down and focus and make phone calls and things uh-huh. like that you've got a little uh, space I do and it's just it's just walls there's nothing uh-huh. shiny to distract anybody up there so
1: well the great thing about the villa is it is such a warm inviting I can hang out here and yeah. I've never ever felt like get the heck out of here Renee because you're taking up our space yeah so thank you
0: you're welcome and and that's exactly what we're going for is uh, I, I say when, when you read about the restaurant industry it's all about, how fast can I turn tables and how, you know, there are a couple of big restaurants in town where uh, the food's out within two or three minutes. And they, you know, you can tell, they're trying to turn that table inside of 30 minutes or faster. Wow. Uh, We we are, we we have the benefit of having a lot of square footage. Mm -hmm. So I somewhat tongue in cheek say, I want you to buy a tea and sit here all day because I want you to work on, I want you to edit your podcast. I want you to finish your book. I want you to get your degree whatever you're doing here, I want it to happen here. And when you need a break, I want there to be people you can come talk to.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, It's built around the idea of community. And that's the part that's rewarding. That's the part we love about being here.
1: I love that. And I love that it's downtown Idaho Falls too. Of course, our heart is near and dear to downtown Idaho Falls, but. Absolutely. Tell me about the pandemic. Has it affected the, you said, you know, you adjusted your business hours, but did, have you also yeah. seen a decrease because people aren't working downtown? Yeah,
0: very very yeah. much so. It's been a dramatic decrease in, in sales. Uh, we have, you know, the advice I would give to anyone in this position right now would be adapt, adapt quickly and consider that, that change to be permanent, maybe. Uh, and one of the things we started doing was delivering uh, I, had, I had the idea. We deliver downtown anyway. There's a little cruiser bike sitting in the corner that we load coffee in and take to all the downtown businesses if they want. Uh, but I, I'd had it in my head that if Jimmy John's can deliver a $5 sandwich, I can probably deliver a $5 coffee. <laughs> so I've been putting pencil to paper on that uh-huh. for the last year and a half. And it, it life happens, and you just don't get the time you. to mm-hmm. push right. And so... It forced us into that situation where I said, "Okay, uh, <clears throat> my brokerage work initially slowed down significantly. I can get up every day, and go sit at the bar, continue to work, and test this delivery concept and see see what's happening." You and are
1: saying you're the delivery driver. I am.
0: Yes, I'm the <laughs> delivery driver. I, I I'm, I'm the guy making the deliveries. Yeah.
1: Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Somebody and, needs to do you know order a delivery so that Chip can bring it to you in person. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely, unless you get tired of seeing me. And now watch, they'll order, and it'll be the one time that, that Alexis, it's my wife, takes else. it. It's somebody else. Right, it's somebody else, but... Uh, so, uh, it, it's, it's, there's a little flexibility there to kind of test that concept. Yeah. But, uh, that, that's helped us a lot, because instead of the average ticket on a delivery, I haven't run the numbers, but it's probably three times what it is in dining room. Wow. So if I make a couple of those a day, I make up for you know, six, eight, 10 customers not coming in. Yeah, that's so good. it doesn't stop the bleeding, but it slows it. Yeah. Uh, and, and and that's been helpful to us. So now I'm trying to follow my advice and say, what does this look like coming out of this? Because I can't keep doing it.
1: Yeah, right. So we're
0: trying to figure out how to take that next step.
1: What's your delivery area?
0: Right now I'm going uh, all of Idaho Falls, Ammon, Iona. You are. Yeah. You're out there quite a ways. The furthest I've taken is I took a delivery to some friends in Camaraloma. Uh, and, uh, you know, two things at play there. I'm doing it for free. We're not charging a fee right now. Wow. Uh, but it, it opens my eyes to round trip How really far that how is. How far I really could go. Yeah. Uh, and maybe how far I can't yeah. go. Yeah. Uh, if it gets too, too busy and, and there are too many deliveries. So uh, if but that's what we're doing right now.
1: There's not a chance you're going to deliver to me in Rigby, probably right now.
0: No, there's not, but I will deliver to you uh, down the street. At, uh,
1: oh yes, it also service. Okay, good, good. Well, I'll go park there, and then you can come see me. Do
0: you? You you might you know, depending on how you catch me, you may see me on in a sport coat riding a cruiser bike with your food in a basket in that, the back.
1: That would be awesome. How's that
0: for an image? But that that's, that's Very how we're adapting to deal with COVID. Very
1: professional. Love it. Yeah okay so you you mentioned briefly your parents so i i would just like to ask you that it doesn't sound like you came from an entrepreneurial family necessarily i actually
0: did okay talk Uh, to me about that undersold that in in uh, my initial yeah yeah so uh my dad came up in the office products industry uh before staples before those kind of places uh and his parents owned an office product store in Fountain Valley, California. Okay. It's Fountain Valley. We lived in Huntington Beach, but it was in Fountain Valley when I was very young. Okay. Uh, and he grew up in the family store and in the family business. Uh, and just as he kind of wanted to take the next step, instead of taking over ownership, he, he went into corporate office products. Got it. Uh, and went into the computer system side uh, of supply chain management and, and, and worked his way through that. And that's ultimately what brought us to Idaho actually was martin stationers oh, they were yes. over on first street yes which you probably remember if you grew up here. yes indeed uh, so martin stationers brought us to idaho got it uh, and they eventually sold to i believe they sold directly to corporate express uh, that resulted in uh, and, and some other things resulted in my dad ch- uh, uh, changing careers uh, and he was always a reserve deputy uh, from the in Westminster, California. So you want to talk about hardcore? Uh, he was a reserve deputy in Westminster when I was as as when I was crawling. I mean, wow. Forever. He's, wow. He'd always had an interest in law enforcement, uh, and so he he took that path. Here uh, was law enforcement, uh, but that that watching that whole kind of process, uh, it. I don't know that there was one big event that that really happened, but it did open my eyes to the fact that there are other people out there that if you're working for, for a big or a small company, even, uh, someone else is in control of your, of your career, uh, and of whatever path you want to take. And I, I just remember that and it stuck with me. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's why in college I kind of connected with, with some business courses I took and went, I, I, I want to do this. I want to be a business owner or an entrepreneur huh. Uh, just because I don't want to. I want to be at someone else's mercy.
1: So. Well, it's kind of a sexy word these days to be an entrepreneur, <laughs> yes, it is. but I don't think people really understand the, all the implications of being a business owner yeah. and all of that. Talk to me a little bit about your journey. Have you ever had a feeling of self-doubt or felt like a fraud, especially coming from where you were in the Arthur Berry. And um, wh- how did you, how did you face that? How do you get over that? If you're still having that?
0: Yeah. I, um, absolutely every day. Uh, <laughs> I dealt with it quite a bit today. And so, some of that was it because
1: get, the delivery, it, no, it do wasn't. you feel like a fraud being a it? Deli- <laughs> no, I don't.
0: That's, that's a piece. Of, you're confident
1: fact, there. That's a piece
0: of cake. <laughs> Sometimes that's nice because, uh, it gets me out for a couple minutes and clears my head yes uh, but oh yeah I, I deal with that that every day and i think from talking to business owners that i know very well and and business owners that i get to know through arthur berry uh, that's extremely common and i'm also realizing as i have friends who are are interested in starting things and they may have uh i have a friend who's a very talented artist that i'm trying to encourage to to take that leap. Uh, I have another friend who's a very talented cake decorator who I'm trying to encourage to take that leap. Uh, and, and in both cases, they I think they have some imposter syndrome. They, Absolutely. they think that there's some reason why they can't. And if I can if I can branch off that just a little bit, I think some of that comes from that that I can't remember the word you use to describe entrepreneur, but that glamorous thing yeah, you put around entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 we make entrepreneurship sound sexy. Uh, and then we read all the magazines like Entrepreneur, and all they're doing is talking about Jack Dorsey and Elon Musk. Right. All of these people who are super mega, successful. mega wealthy, and uh, you just said an interesting word: super successful. If we define success by financial wealth and by the number of articles that are printed about them, then yes. Yeah. True. But we we have to we have to shift that thinking, uh, and we have to. If we put those people on a pedestal, because they're brilliant, we don't put them so far above us. Uh, we put them, we, we give them some credit because they've succeeded and maybe we haven't yet to that level. Yeah, right. But we we have to realize that they're closer to us than, than we give ourselves credit for. If that, I kind of backed into that, but if that kind of makes sense. Uh, we're closer to being that competent a business person than we realize. Yeah. Uh, many, many of these people who are companies, people whose companies I've sold, who've been tremendously successful, uh, when they got started, they not only did they not have two nickels to rub together, but they had no idea what they were doing. Most people don't. If you're a talented welder and you go start a fabrication company, I, you may know nothing about business and you're learning it on the job. Yeah. And the more potential entrepreneurs can can realize that and embrace that and not listen to the head trash that they get uh, as a result of self-doubt and things, the better off they are. So well, I think your question was, how do I deal with it? Yeah. Uh, poorly is the tongue-in-cheek <laughs> answer. I, I've reached a point where it comes, and I feel it, and I think, I know this is gonna pass. I know when it's gonna pass. So let me bang my head against the wall. But whatever that task is, is what I mean. Whatever menial task I'm having trouble getting up for that I know is important, but it's another five emails in my inbox. I just, one at a time, just grind through them because I know that there's an expiration date on that feeling, it comes and goes. Yeah. So learn learn to identify it and what things help you grind through it.
1: Well, I I mean, that was perfect advice. As you're talking, I'm thinking about my own life, my own career, and how every step I felt like a fraud. And they were going to find me out any time. And then I've also watched my husband go through this. You talk about the welder. Well, he's a great mechanic. And then shifting to be a business owner, he always felt like he wasn't good enough. He's just as good as anyone else. Of course. And, you know, he's had that realization over time. But Mm -hmm. you are so right. We all absolutely if we spend a lot of time looking around at everybody else we can completely talk ourselves out of something you just got to go for it
0: and you have to start doing some of those uncomfortable things to learn yeah Uh, I mentioned that as a general contractor I learned a couple of things uh, about myself and one of those things I learned was that I had to have a very structured detailed organized version of what my day looked like or I wouldn't get anything done. <laughs> and I had to set that up kind of the night before. or yeah. well, First thing in the morning with the morning coffee. Or I have to, even if I'm crazy busy, I have to, in my mind, uh, line out, these are the things that have to happen today. I learned the value of having a, a short to medium-sized to-do list with very simple things on it because there's there's something physiological in me and in a lot of people, I think, to... Crossing off a two-minute task from a list, yeah. even if it took you two minutes to write it, two minutes to do it, you cross it you off. You still
1: get to cross it
0: off. You do. Uh-huh. There's something in the brain that gets satisfaction from that. and helps put some of that trash at bay. Yeah. Uh, I also learned that, that uh, something that I see people do a lot uh, in that they under they underprice themselves, yeah. and what they're really doing is underselling their their worth. Right. Uh, and, and it, it plays to this idea that, you know, when I built a few houses as a general contractor and I priced myself so low that I, there was no way I could have sustained myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I probably still wouldn't have sustained myself, even if I priced them correctly. Uh, but I, I was underselling myself yeah. because of that lack of confidence. Yeah. And because I thought I had to to get a foothold in the market.
1: Yeah. It was a
0: total mistake.
1: I agree. And Man, a
0: huge learning experience for me that had I not learned it there, it probably would have. I probably would still suffer from that now.
1: Yeah, I, I completely understand where yeah. you're coming from. Um, every time we have to talk about our labor rate, it's a bit yes. of a you know gives us a little anxiety until we're like, no, I mean this is this is who we are. Not everybody is our customer. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Yep. Okay, so. You know you look back over your career what advice would you give to anyone who's interested in self-employment do you, you've seen a lot of us business owners come and go mm-hmm. in your life do you think business owning is for everyone to be self-employed
0: oh, is it for everyone to be self-employed uh, not everyone if we're looking at, at absolutes uh i i think about the people i see at Irmac all the time uh when you know when i'm dropping off something at the at, at the uh at our at our location there or or whatever that is uh i think about those people and, and they they are in such a high stress uh job because they get extreme satisfaction in it uh you know this having been a, a nurse <laughs> and, and my mom being, yes uh, yes and as well yes uh they they have to get that level of satisfaction out And I don't know that somebody who is wired in that particular way or connects with that type of work would connect with entrepreneurial work because it can be mind numbing when you're trying to clear that list of phone calls off in the last hour and a half of the day and your kids decide now that's the time that they're going to have a battle over who gets the last whatever in the fridge. And it, it it can be absolutely mind numbing and you have to remind yourself why why you like to do it but, yeah right uh And so a lot I, of this I don't stuff know is that mundane. it's for everybody yeah very much uh-huh. oh so, so much so
1: uh-huh.
0: uh if you enjoy if you enjoy the details and the mundane you're wired for it
1: yeah
0: uh, you're you're definitely wired to be a business owner uh
1: or you get a partner like you do yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. because that's what Kevin is to us he's the oh, yeah. detail he can do all of that kind of stuff I'm more the hey it's a yeah. party we so, should all enjoy each other
0: my version of that is Alexis let's go buy a roaster and start roasting coffee this was like this was right after we bought the place and she looks at me and she's like you've never roasted coffee <laughs> the, the most obvious thing in the world. And I here I want to go spend $15,000 on a piece well, of equipment. Because it's so cool. I have nowhere to put and no idea how to use. And so <laughs> there is that yin and that yang. Yeah, that's good. Um, that comes from that partnership. And so to a certain extent, you know, trying to get back on track, you have to be able to temper that in your own mind yeah. uh, to be wired to be an entrepreneur. So let me answer your question. Uh, I don't think everybody is is wired to be an entrepreneur. But I think more people are than they I think a lot of the, the, the middle 50% sitting out there are saying, I just I'm not wired to do that. And then I look at some of the things they've done in their lives and I say, I'm not wired to do that. Yeah. I can't imagine the stress you endured during that that period in your life. And you think you can't handle the stress of owning a business? Right. Right. It's, hey, but, it's back to that imposter syndrome, maybe. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yep. Yep. You you start, it's that negative self-talk. You start talking yourself out of risks. And you, you said, uh, forgive me, I don't remember it exactly, but you said something about uh, the naysayers and, and people uh, people who are just the naysayers telling you, oh, that's never going to work or that's this. And I have two thoughts on that. One, uh, you can tell me it's not going to work when you've done it. And even then, don't tell me it's not going to work. Tell me, I tried it, I did this, and it didn't work. Great, now I know how to not deliver coffee. <laughs> because you tried it in that particular way, yeah. And it didn't thank you. Work. Mm-hmm. That's all I know. Don't tell me not to do it. Yeah. Uh, and and the uh, I lost the other thing I was going to say about naysayers. I don't the know. We just really shouldn't listen me. to them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, I have kept you for quite a while. So tell me, is there anything else you'd like to share with the listeners before I let you go?
0: I I don't think so. I if, if there were one point I could maybe two points. Let me hammer two points okay. if I can today. One is if if you own a business, you ought to be at least thinking about someday what does your exit look like. I I have a 10 and a 12-year-old daughter right now, uh, daughters right now, and I I don't know that right now all they do is they come in and sanitize tables and chairs occasionally, uh, but I I don't know that they're going to have any interest in the coffee business. They might. I might be able to hand it right down and, and make that transition easy. They might not be interested at all. I know that though, and I know that someday this place has to transition to another owner. Uh, and most owners want that. They want their legacy carried on. Right. So if you're an owner and, and you're not thinking about that, start thinking about that. Also, I'm not a real high pressure guy. I'm not gonna try to, to list you the first time we talk. I'll obviously talk your ears off uh, and give you some, some thoughts on what I think you should be doing to prepare, but prepare all the things I said earlier, and uh, start that process earlier than you think you need to.
1: Okay, love it. Uh,
0: The second thing I would wanna hammer home would be anything around self-doubt or thinking you're not good enough or, uh, well, that's what I was gonna, that that was the second thing. I'm back to it now. That's the other thing is, uh, who cares if they're naysaying? Really? like, Don't think twice about it. If they're giving you constructive advice, take it, consider it, Maybe apply it and test it yourself, but but don't let take it as destroy that you. and that's it. Yeah, don't let it mm-hmm. don't let it talk don't ever let anyone talk you out of doing something that will bring you joy.
1: That's it. Okay, those are awesome. <laughs> well, Chip, thank you so much for your time today. You've given me a lot of th- to think about with our business, and I'm sure that those that are listening. Um, who are kind of thinking that there are those listening who are kind of thinking crap, you know, like I need to get my stuff together. Um, But thank you for bringing this to our attention and helping us out. And also thank you and your wife for the villa and the great atmosphere you guys provide. You are definitely an asset to downtown Idaho Falls. And just know that I've claimed my corner over there (laughs) with my cup of tea. So don't mind me.
0: I I won't (laughs) at all. And thank you for the kind words. I appreciate it. It's, it's, it's fun so it's uh, i appreciate hearing that but it's also i'll admit it's self-serving because we we enjoy it enjoy the community aspect well
1: it's clear so thank you guys for all (laughs) that you do okay guys as a reminder this show is sponsored by oswald service and repair with locations in downtown idaho falls and in rexburg please come and see us and if you're inter if, if you're in need of automotive services provided with honesty and integrity and let our family take care of your family Now stay tuned for the Business Leadership Moment.
0: It's now time for a Business Leadership Moment on East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast.
1: Hi, thank you for staying for the Business Leadership Moment. This segment is brought to you by RiseCon. RiseCon is the East Idaho Business Conference held every November, and they also have a sister event called RiseX, which is a monthly event. Please check them out at idahorisecon.com or risex.io. And hopefully we'll see you at the next event. So guys, today, I don't really have a whole lot for the business leadership moment. I'm actually with my family um, recording this on Memorial Weekend. So this will drop after Memorial Weekend. Um, But I have had a lot of thoughts in my mind around that and being able to be with my family, um, especially since we've been during this pandemic, we've really kind of been locked down and not spending a lot of time together. And so we decided we would take the opportunity to get together. And it just reminded me um, of what a special occasion Memorial Day is. My parents have both passed away. And so I obviously have them on my mind. Um, but I'm able to be with uh, some of our extended family on Kevin's side this weekend. And um, it also helped me to, well, it helped me to just be so grateful for family. But also I wanted to give a big shout out to the Idaho Falls Exchange Club. For any of you who have not experienced the Field of Honor Memorial, I highly recommend that you put that on your calendar for next year. So um, hopefully many of you who are listening to this are like, yeah, we went and it was just amazing, but they put up a thousand American flags and they do that at Freeman Park and it is just a sight to behold. It's to honor all sorts of heroes, um, our fallen heroes who have given their life for this country, as well as those who are currently serving and also local heroes, our firefighters, police officers, um, even some school teachers who are heroes to our kids. And man, aren't don't we have a lot of school teachers who are heroes right now to us? Uh, since we've had to fill in their places doing homeschool lately, um, I know a lot of us are feeling like they really are the true heroes. So I just wanted to give a big shout out again to the Idle Falls Exchange Club and for the work that they always do that is just phenomenal on this uh, Field of Honor Memorial. And um, just tell you how grateful I am that we live in this amazing country. It's fun to have a little sense of patriotism, especially since it feels like the country is so often so divided. So thank you guys for putting up those beautiful flags, helping us to experience that. And I hope that you are all able to spend uh, Memorial Day in whatever way that looks for you. And if it was with family, Uh, that we got a little more connection that we've been missing out on. Anyway, just so grateful for all of you guys and for your listening to the show. Hope you enjoyed Chip's message to us. I learned so much. And I just want to tell you all thank you for your support. And I look forward to continuing to provide you shows. We've got a great show even coming up next week. So please stay tuned and we'll see you then.